The following program may contain viewpoints and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of Radio That Doesn't Suck Incorporated or Making Our Seniors Matter. Welcome to Seniors Speak, a podcast series by seniors for seniors, organized by Making Our Seniors Matter, a not-for-profit organization and funded by the Government of Ontario's Ministry of Seniors Affairs. I'm Terry McIntyre, Senior Investment Advisor with Manulife Securities. I am so proud to be a sponsor of this podcast. Having seniors speaking to seniors and bringing the program themselves together is something you just don't see. And the minute I heard about it, I thought, this matters. And I was really pleased to see it, what, it's, what they're doing, how they're going about it. I had to sponsor. It is just the right thing. I hope you enjoy the shows. Welcome to uh, Senior Speak. My name's Glenn Cunningham. I'm here with Making Our Seniors Matter. And I'm here today with Mara Drybro. And we're going to talk today about some of the adventures that you folks have had over the last few years. I understand that you've spent some time in our wonderful Canadian North. I certainly have. We've been up there a number of times. We've been up on small boats, 100 passengers or less. We've been up flying up. We've driven up as far as we could on the Dempster Highway until snowstorm in mid-September said we better not go any farther. And we crossed the Arctic Circle, but we always regretted not continuing on the whole route. However, yes, we've been to the Arctic. And most recently, I think this is what you're really thinking about, is our trip through the Northwest Passage. Sounds exciting. It was amazing. We'd been up to the Northern Arctic and the the Eastern Arctic several times, the Western Arctic, but this is the first time we were able to go right through. And we did pack the one other, or pass the one other boat that was going with the government support with students and various um, people that we wouldn't have been allowed on as plain citizens. Um, That was the CPAC, you know, three Cs. Yes. Passed them in Cambridge and uh, that was interesting but I think one of the better parts was once we came into the Northwest Passage it it was really you just felt sort of a shiver a quiver of excitement it was amazing and then it was foggy and that seemed to enhance the whole drama of the situation. So we got through there, and we didn't have any problems as far as the water was concerned. I happen to like heavy water when I'm in a nice boat, but it wasn't at all. And then we first um, hit small town. It used to be called Holman. It had 500 Inuit, and it's now called Yulakaktak. Takes a minute to try and get your tongue around the T's and K's and U's <laughs> and everything that they like. At any rate, it was absolutely delightful. Um, we had to we had to wear waterproof pants and heavy boots because you couldn't get in in the boat. It was too big to dock, and so you had to go in by. Um, zodiacs and zodiacs, for those that don't know, are like a big fat inner tube with big round about sides. Going over there was excellent, but coming back, you found out why you had to have waterproof pants because everybody (laughs) getting on with their boots made it a little bit moist. And if you got on and it was wet because other people came on later, then you walked around with wet jeans, which a number of the passengers thought would be adequate. 
they soon realized the problem. That doesn't work well when <laughs> you're out is, into a place like that, right? That is completely correct. At any rate, we were taken in, we were shown the town, which wasn't very large as you can imagine, and the, and the store. On this boat, there were about 25 Canadians, and it held, it could have held 2,000, but there were only about 700 of us. Majority of them were Americans, and there were a few people from Hong Kong, and that was it. At any rate, I was a little disappointed because there was not a, a Canadian flag at the, where we were landing on the shore. And so first we were escorted to the community center, and we were introduced to this large um, room, and it had tables somewhat like the one we're sitting at, and um, they had crafts all around, and that was lovely, but there was also an RCMP officer standing there in the red surge and the Canadian flag behind him. And I said, you know, I'm really disappointed that there wasn't a Canadian flag to greet us, because all these Americans, you know, Anyway, so he nodded, and we went on about and looked at the various things that were out for sale, and then we were given a lovely, lovely seafood soup and bannock. Now, the bannock was a bit of a surprise, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, well, no, I'll tell you right now why, because I thought it would be totally um, Arctic food that we have, but in the first, the, in an Arctic igloo, and they didn't have any facilities for heat because there is no wood, no wood whatsoever. Right. And you mentioned that when you were speaking the, to we me earlier. earlier. Yes. Yeah, we were talking about, about the lack of wood. <laughs> At any rate, and they only had um, a bowl made of stone or bone. Now I'm talking about before the settlements came. With a, they were very shallow, and they had seal fat in those mm -hmm. with a few wicks, and that was their total heat and light. And so bannock, I didn't think they'd be able to bake much bannock on that. But of course, in a settlement, settlement they once they now have water mm -hmm. and sewer. Um, delivered by truck, but not in the same truck, I hope, <laughs> and because the permafrost um, keeps anything from from um, building like that right. on it. And I'll just refer back to what you were saying. You were saying that, that things would be sent up from the north, that, or from the south. I think you mentioned window frames, and, and the people weren't quite ready to accept them because the houses that were built looked a couple of years later as though they'd been half torn down. And yeah. that was because they needed the wood to burn to hate themselves, to, create, to get the heat for, exactly. for cooking and for, and for warmth, right? So it was just a different way of looking at things. And, and now, when we were there, we saw one house being delivered, but it was aluminum, and it was sent in on a big barge, and um, they would put that up, and that was where now you'll see a lot of colored houses, but they're very rare that they would be wood. At any rate, they could have it now, I suppose. So, um, so how big would this village be? That 500 500 people. Yeah, mm -hmm. and not all of them lived there all the time, but they would come and go. And the, the, the settlement was only started in 1930s when the Hudson's Bay Post was there. And people began to stay at the Hudson's Bay, or around the Hudson's Bay Post. But this created a bit of a problem, too, because the... Um, Inuit survived by eating caribou, whales, fish, etc. So once they settled at around a post, um, and it was nearly always around a post, they couldn't travel as easily because they're settled there. Now they're not traveling with the animals or the fish. Mm -hmm. So if the fish and the animals move, 
they can't reach them very easily. So they're not hunting to the same degree as they might have once upon a time. And it means that they've got to find work because they still have to eat. And if they're going to buy food, they need money. And there's not very, very much work around the settlement. So that creates a problem. But it's not a problem that I know what the, the answer to it is. But I think the government's working very hard. But it was a lovely place. The people, they couldn't do enough for you. And when we went back, oh, the, the um, RCMP officer came over and said to me just before we left the building, there's a big flag flying now at the point where you landed. <laughs> so they so you accomplished something with your trip, right? Well, they... Sometimes they, it pays to speak <laughs> up. They, got, they get more than their man. That, that's the point anyway at this point. And so then we moved on and we went to Cambridge Bay. But on the way there, we were very fortunate and we passed a glacier. The land is quite flat with just a few rounded hills on, on the western Arctic. But as we started to move towards um, Cambridge Bay, which is around the other side of a very, very, in fact, I think it's the largest um, island in Canada and it's called Victoria Island. Mm -hmm. At any rate, when we got to Cambridge Bay, it's about 2,000 in there and most of them are Inuit, but there are a few white people. And one example that we, we encountered was this woman came over and said, would we like to um, walk closer to see a ship that had recently been retrieved from the ice, the mod, and we said yes. So off we walked and then we came back and she said, well, I'm not working anymore. It was her job to take us. But she said, if you want to go farther, I'm quite happy to do so. So off we went again and we got a lot farther along. But that was typical of the of the reaction we had to the people we met. They couldn't do enough very for us. Very friendly, very out Friendly giving. and proud to be Canadian. And that, of course, is becoming very important to me, surrounded by... <laughs> well, I can tell by the flag and that kind of thing, but uh, that's yes. actually an interesting point with these folks. And, and I think for many of us in the South, we, we kind of wonder, what is a proud Canadian in the terms of the Inuit or those um, more native folks that have been here for a lot longer than many of us have, when you say about a proud Canadian, what do they see as being Canadian? They see an awful lot of what has been done for them and on their behalf. For example, in Cambridge Bay, I met a, oh, a wonderful woman, and she was involved with the health center there, and she was telling me some of the things that are being done. For example, they have five nurses underneath a charge nurse and a full-time doctor who makes great use of telemedicine. Now, these are some of my opinions from what I was told. I could be... Um, getting the wrong impression on some things, but I was told that when pregnant women, um, a while before the baby is due, were sent south to either Edmonton or Yellowknife, and then they would be brought back after the baby was born, and a while after that, they returned again with the baby to make sure that everything was going well. Kind of the checkup thing. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Those those trips cost about eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars for the air flight alone, and that was done for them. Now she was very proud to say they have five birthing centers right there ah, at the unit, which nice. is tremendous. Um, they have a doctor there, 
and he's full-time, and he relies greatly on telemedicine, and it's a full afternoon. Friday afternoon was always that. When he ran into emergency situations, again, it was used. But if somebody had to go in for overnight, they, again, were sent down south um, to have their treatment looked after. And with a pregnant woman, she could take a companion with her because it's a whole new culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that they have done some wonderful things. Something else that's interesting is we met um, some firemen, and they were wearing white shirts, sometimes black shirts, they had ties. These were the only ties that we saw off the boat in the whole trip. Okay. And they were laughing and chatting. And um, they were saying, well, at the same time, they had the inspector there that came in to, to make sure that the rules were being applied, etc. cetera. Um, and that inspector apparently visited all of these small villages to make sure that things were going well there. This is paid for, of course, by the Canadian government. So um, they felt appreciative of, of yes, they what could they see. have been given yes. or what they've helped with and been given in, in addition to, which is maybe more than what we see sometimes uh, from people here who maybe think they have more. Would you say that they live better up there or not as good as we do down in the south here? Well, it's a matter of relativity, isn't it? Um, what we think is really important may not have the same importance with them. But they did seem happy, and they did seem to be very pleased that they're Canadian, because they do hear about some of the things that have been going on in other parts of the world, <laughs> even in our neighbor to the south. And uh, I think that that makes them... I, I can't say what makes them appreciative, but I did ask them how they felt about Canada. I wondered if I get a bewildered look. That did not happen. They were very, they seemed to me to be very pleased, and I was very sensitive to the situation. We had a retired general speaking to her. We have phenomenal speakers on this trip, and most of them were um, postdoc Canadian researchers. And oh, the story, and they were glaciologists, they were polar bears. We had one gentleman, and he was sitting not far from us on, on the coach going from where we, doesn't matter. Um, and he was saying, he had a whole lot of, of lenses for cameras that we went out to here, and he was in polar bears. And I said, I thought that was very interesting. Well, when we got on the boat, um, one... I'm telling too many stories and not finishing them. I wanted to say from the glacier that I mentioned or that we passed that one chunk fell off a huge one and the boat swelled up on it and it was a thrill to see it. Then the other thing that, that was interesting was that we saw polar bears and that makes your heart race to see them. It was wonderful. And this one polar bear sat quite close because we're on ice and we're going through a very narrow stretch in the water. And the polar bear was right beside us and he looked very perplexed when he saw this what would to him be a massive whale. And so then he loped off to show what he could do, and he, he flew into the water. It just looked like he was flowing. And then he got another ice pan, and he came out, but not scrambling the way we thought. He just seemed to flow onto it. That was really exciting. So would, it be, would I be correct in saying that you really enjoyed this and you might recommend it to somebody else? <laughs> Yes, I really enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to anybody, and I hope especially Canadians will go, because the other thing that was so very interesting was General Tom Lawson. He was retired general, head general, and he also worked down at, at Colorado at, at, the, um, at the big military base there. At any rate, 
he was telling us about our search and rescue, and there's a huge controversy about various nations that feel that we should have our North Passage open to every nation. And there's several passages from the West. There's only one major passage from the East. We took the most southernwood passage. But Canada is responsible for anything that happens to anybody that could happen in that in that place. And we did see one thing that happened because there was one small ship, oh, not too small, that was behind us and following us. We had two icebreakers going with us all the time. And one morning we broke up, or we woke up, and we looked out and there were no icebreakers, and it was just a sea of ice around us. And you, you didn't really think too much about them before because um, you didn't need them. We saw lots of ice, but somehow we were going in amongst it. But we knew they were there. So this morning we woke up and there were no icebreakers. <gasps> what, we can't afford to be out here? Well, at any rate, uh, we had a very narrow strait. They were going through the Bylot Strait, and it was going to be a little testy, and we didn't have the icebreakers. However, we heard an announcement that our, they had to go because the ship from Germany, the Bremen, had been following us and thought it would be just fine, so they decided to go out and pass us. Well, they got locked in the ice completely locked in the ice. You see, you've <laughs> got to be Canadian to be in Canada, right? At You're the, getting at the, the point. Time. At any rate, so our icebreakers went out to help them and did, and um, we sailed through without any problems because they were there. By the way, I don't know if you knew that icebreakers don't cleave through the ice with their bow, but they rise over top and, and they break crash it, it down. underneath it. Yes. 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 Well, you've been to the Arctic. You may no, very well no, know No, I that. haven't been to the Arctic, <laughs> but I have seen that in, uh, on other shows. We're going to have to uh, wrap this up a little bit, but boy, this has been exciting. This has been fantastic. I've seen a vision in my own mind of how this can be, uh, and, and I thank you very much for your time. I thank you very much for your stories, and hopefully we can get you back another time for more of your adventures. Thank you, and it's been a pleasure for me because it brings it back to me all the time. I can so. tell. <laughs> You're very excited about it, and oh, that's yes. wonderful. <laughs> thank you. This is Glenn Cunningham. I'm going to sign off now for Senior Speak here in Brampton. I'm Glenn Cunningham from Real Estate Design for Seniors, a program through my Remax Realty Services program. And uh, I'm here to uh, tell you just how excited I am to be part of Making Our Seniors Matter. Uh, this is something that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. We uh, work with seniors and for that purpose of working with the seniors and helping to make those late in life transitions, we need a lot of help and the help that we've got often comes from our other members of Making Our Seniors Matter. Uh, it's important that we have the complete understanding of what and how seniors uh, need when they're going through these transitions for downsizing, financial support, and all of these folks at Making Our Seniors Matter are part and parcel of what allows me to do a better job for my senior clients. Well, hopefully we can be of assistance to you. Our contact information is on our page here, and uh, we're looking forward to meeting you and helping you out. Seniors Speak is an innovative podcast that gives a platform for seniors to speak on issues that are passionate to them. This podcast is possible because committed seniors have volunteered their time to share their experiences, stories, issues, and their expertise to help educate, inspire, and empower other seniors and their families. This unique program was founded and organized by the not-for-profit organization Making Our Seniors Matter and generously funded by the Government of Ontario through the Ministry of Senior Affairs. If you've enjoyed any of our stories or perhaps know someone or an organization that would also enjoy it, please feel free to share. 
Visit makingourseniorsmatter.com for more details.